What's up, parents? Welcome back to the Raising Competitors podcast, your show each and every week where we have conversations around youth sports, raising competitors, raising the next generation of leaders to help you as a parent with the work that you're doing just each and every day to help your kids be set up for success in school, in sports, and in life. Today's guest is APEC founder Bobby Stroop. Now, you might have seen Bobby's name or his brand, APEC, popping up recently because that's right. He's trained the NFL reigning MVP, Pat Mahomes. See, Patrick started working with Bobby when he was young, like a teenager. And he's had the opportunity to not only work with this star college player, this first-round draft pick, but now he can say NFL MVP. But as Bobby points out during our conversation today... It's not just the pro athletes that he works with. It's actually a tiny, tiny portion of his business because his passion is in helping kids, helping these youth just better develop into healthy, happy human beings. We get into his philosophy on training, the work he does with kids all the way through adults, why this training matters, and more importantly, the mental hurdles most of us have to go through in the gym or in life and how you can learn from each area of your life to assist the other. Bobby's got a really cool story. Uh, And for those of you that are in a managerial position, for those of you that are team leaders at work, you'll find some really good insight into how Bobby builds his staff and his team and the culture he's created at Team APEC. So if you're in a leadership role or you hope to be in a leadership role one day at work, you'll take away some nuggets of just wisdom from what Bobby's done with APEC, how he's tried to build his team to fit that culture so that you can do the same in your workplace. But more than that, we're gonna dive into some ways that you can help your young competitor continue to develop in a healthy way. Not so that they're worried about burning out or or overtraining to where they're physically gonna just get injured or burn out. But how can you raise them to be happy, healthy, strong competitors for life? As always, if you wanna find out more about Raising Competitors, visit our website at raisingcompetitors.com check it out scout around you can get your free seven day free membership of our portal where you'll find out more information about our parents program uh, the, the weekly content we sent out the bonus material from every podcast episode and more so check out raisingcompetitors.com. now without further ado i want to introduce you to the founder of apec bobby Stroop. <laughs> Bobby, my man, welcome to the show. Thanks, brother, man. It's, it's, it's great to be on with you, Jake. I appreciate it. You bet, man. I'm excited. You know, we, we got connected online. We've got a lot of people in common with East Texas and my roots out in the Tyler area, your base there in Tyler area. So I would love for you to introduce APEC and yourself to our audience. Just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now opening uh, the brand really is the best way to put it with multiple locations and the work that you do on a weekly basis. Well, first of all, APEC has a very specific mission with with kind of some tentacles that that branch out, but we are here to improve lives through the field of human performance. That's the bottom line, and we do that through protecting futures, educating people, and then, of course, training. Um, Man, what you ask, I could could take a lot of time talking about all the things I messed up on the way to, to where we're at now, and then... Then I have to retract and talk about what we're messing up right this second. But 
we've all got those stories though that's that's the beauty of success is it's the the path to get there is littered with a lot of mistakes that just didn't kill us or we were we were gritty and stubborn enough not to let it kill us that's right well where do you want me to start what do you want me to go into so i'm curious a little bit what first got you into the field of of human performance and athletic performance and fitness performance and then what inspired you to start apec that's great so like a lot of people the first thing that drew me to human performance was i wasn't very good <laughs> like, i mean i was the i was not picked first on the playground if that makes sense i was the smallest kid in my grade uh, until about my freshman year boy or girl i wasn't particularly fast or strong or witty or smart um and you know i had great parents that tried to give me any and everything i could to gain any type of advantage you just I didn't really know what that was. So that was my beginning of interest. It was very selfish as most people in this profession, it ends up being that way. And then um, got to a point where I, I felt like I'd, I'd created, you know, some, some ground for myself and had a decent athletic career in high school and, and had a very serious injury my senior year. I had an avulsion fracture, hip, um, had limited help from a rehab standpoint. So really did a lot of personal research as a high school senior on how to rehab it through that process really what ended up is a lot of my teammates started just working out with me I rehabbed got back broke some of track some track records uh, got an opportunity to play college ball immediately through that process I knew man this is what I want to do now I didn't know what avenue uh, I didn't know what vein what what impact or or where I was going to go but I knew that there's no way that I'm not going to be involved in in this this feeling of training with my teammates um, being able to do something someone said that, that we couldn't do. Uh, I was just drawn to it in every way. So that was the beginning. I love that. Okay. And so eventually you had a, a path or you had a few stops along the way working with some different groups. What ultimately inspired you to start APEC? So APEC was really uh, not the original plan. I had a mentor that his name was Tim Powers. And back in the day, you know, your speed coaches in the United States were Tom Shaw yep. um, was number one, and you had a couple other guys. Tim Powers was another. And I didn't live, like I said earlier, I didn't live in East Texas um, year-round, but my grandparents had a ranch here, and they knew about this guy. So I just called him Bud the heck out of him until he let me hang out with him. And he kind of was like, yeah, sure, show up at 5 a.m. if you want. But I just – I learned so much from this guy, and my plan was always to work for him. So throughout college, I did camps for him. I worked for him. I also had – you know, he had me working in different locations. Uh, but the plan was to go work for him in Hawaii when I got out. Well, I get there, and a month into it, the whole place shuts down, so I have no job. <laughs> so then, then I become a general manager at Lifetime Fitness, which was probably the worst fit ever. <laughs> and, and within a few months, I got recruited by some physical therapists to come partner in a place. They're like, hey, would you ever want to come to Tyler? Said, yes. Uh, it was poor negotiation skills, but came and partnered with them. They went out of business. And then I got the hard knocks version of business education and, and here we are. That's awesome, man. And so tell us a little bit, what does APEC look like today? You have two locations. Uh, who, who comes and trains there? Yeah. So we've got two locations, one in Tyler that we've been here for 15 years. We run this our 15th summer. Wow. Uh, and then in Fort Worth, this is our third year. Uh, so that's, as we stand now, we've got two physical locations we do consulting worldwide. We have things off-site as far as China uh, and then all, all, really all around the world from consulting opportunities to being support and doing off-site training. 
Um, so we're, we've got a lot of different branches. We're about to launch an online platform. We've got a continuing education portal that, that we're working on. Uh, and then, of course, on-site is, is, is a big piece as well. And you, you work with people all across the board from children to adults to middle-aged adults to pro athletes. It kind of runs the gamut on ages and fitness levels, right? Yeah, so I'll give you a breakdown of, of what we have and then what percentage of our businesses was. So kindergarten through second grade, long-term athletic development level one. Third through fifth grade, long-term athletic development level two. Middle school, we have a level three and a level four. Because as you know, there's a lot of differentiation there. Uh, from what's what's possible we can go into more of that later if you'd like in high school we do sports specificity not because I think it's abundantly important but because they, they are getting a lot of training volume outside of our our locations so what we want to do is provide value at the tip of the spear so if it's a volleyball program it's not that we're coming in here doing front squat and all these different things that they're already doing at school most likely what we're trying to do is spend time on the technical aspects of power and speed and movement abilities. Um, mobility, flexibility, stability, and keen on those things. So we've got very sports-specific programming from high school and college and up. And then, of course, in the professional sector, we've got a lot of publicity for NFL off-season programs or NFL draft prep programs. And then in Major League Baseball, uh, we've had quite a bit of success with pitchers and position players and and preparing them for the draft throughout the process. Uh, But we, we actually train professional athletes in six different sports. So there's a lot of diversity there um, as far as what we do and how we program and prepare guys from NBA to, to fighting, MMA, boxing, you, you name it. We've soccer, we've, we've been in it. But what I'm most proud of with, with that is that we've had over 40 athletes now that we started with in elementary school that have made it to professional sport in one of six sports. That's awesome. And yeah, but you know what the greatest thing about it is, is being able to look a parent in the face that's telling you what their kid needs to be able to do. And just leaning back and saying, no, they don't. And it's not because I have some kind of PhD or whatever. It's because I've seen it now 40 times and I can objectively say they do not have to be the fastest. They don't need to have to throw a curveball right now. They don't need to even be in the top 50% in this, that, or the other. We, we now know what common denominators are for success and long-term athletic development because we've, we've seen it. We don't just – our pro athletes here – they don't just walk in the door. We've known them for a long time. We've seen it. We've seen them develop mentally, physically, spiritually, every way it's from an exposure standpoint. So we can, we can tell parents to calm down. And I think that's been a, it's been a huge tool. Uh, beyond that, we've got an adult fitness program and I'm a client, right? I don't run that. <laughs> it's called spherical fitness. We wanted to provide something very different from, a lot of things out there. We didn't want to do Olympic lifting focused training or bodybuilding focused training or marathon focused or Pilates or yoga or CrossFit because those are things we done being done well outside of our space. What we wanted to do is create something called spherical, which really connects things that we feel like is appropriate for vitality and really aesthetics being a, a, a second or third or fourth or fifth priority. And it's, it's, it's good for a lot of people. It's not for everyone, but that's our stance and that's what we provide here. If you take a step back and look globally at APEC and okay, what, what is it that we really do? I've said a bunch of stuff, but what is it we really do? I'll start there. We're about 33% adult fitness from a business standpoint. You go from there, 33 to 35% year round. Now you go from there, we're about 30% youth, meaning long-term athletic development, kindergarten through eighth grade. So you're at 60, 65%. 
And then from there, we're 30% high school athlete, high school, college. So I'm not talking about drop, draft prep. I'm talking like courage, current. So you're talking about 90% already. So 90 to 95% is already accounted for. So we're only five to 10% professional at most. It's closer to 5% most years as far as volume on business and actual time spent. So the lifeblood of who we are truly is athletic development and youth. That that's what APEC is. I love that. And, and the beauty of what you shared, the kids, the 40 that you've seen go all the way through to pro there was, you've gotten a lot of attention this year because Pat Mahomes from the Tyler area, NFL MVP this year. He's, he's a kid you trained kind of all the way through from fourth grade, I believe, up till now, yeah. which is an awesome thing to see. But to hear it from you that that's – I mean, that pro game is so small. The majority of his career in, in middle school, high school, college is what you enjoy and where you guys do the most work. One of the things that you hit on that I'd love to talk a little bit about is the sports-specific training you're doing. Because one of the articles that I've seen you interviewed on is talking about how East Texas and East Texas, for anyone familiar, there's one high school per town for the most part. And we're driving 20 to 30 minutes to another town to play a game against another school versus eight to 10 high schools within a five to 10 mile range. And you talk about how a lot of East Texas kids, they're multi-sport athletes because you're not going to play baseball year round. You're not going to play football year round. And listening to you, you guys don't start sports-specific training and agility and things like that until high school. Yeah. Talk about what you've seen, if you don't mind, in that middle school, elementary school age of the importance of just the multi-sport, multi-skill level in kids' development just for life. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to, to bring up, Jake. You know, we, we have um, an interesting situation here in East Texas because they, they – no parent really wants to drive to Shreveport or Dallas three times a week. So your options for year round sports are very limited. Now they're out there, but they're limited. And I think it's a huge advantage because when you talk about the de development of neural pathways, just the development of the brain, which before you hit puberty and you can affect cross-sectional muscle fiber or any type of physiological adaptations in real time, you're really working on development of the brain and building map systems. So when you go from playing soccer one time of the year to baseball, uh, to basketball, to flag football, to maybe dance or wrestling, you're building such a diverse set of neural pathways. The possibilities for your body when you hit puberty are going to be vast. Now, the, the problem is, is if you only build a road from Tyler to Jacksonville, you may go down that road really damn fast but you, don't, you can't turn right or left. That's right. The problem is, is if you don't turn out to be a shortstop, you're really screwed. You know, and that's what we have a lot, but we don't have that as much in East Texas because these schools are relying on the good athletes and good kids to play everything so they can build a team. And I think it's incredible. I think it's an incredible advantage because, as you know, if someone has dexterity, they've got diversity in their neural pathways, they, the skill of learning skills – is the number one skill in the world. So if our athletes develop the skill of learning skills through all that diversity, then they can literally pick up anything. I don't care if it's in the weight room, on the track, with the ball, or not. I don't care if it's memorizing scripture or doing math problems. It all correlates, man, and I think it's, a, it's just kind of one of those perfect storms here. I love that and, and really reinforcing the importance of developing that growth mindset in kids because a lot of times adults, 
they they have a fixed mindset. They believe, you know, this is what you have, you're born with, you can't develop anything else. But the reinforcement of that multiple sport, of those multiple activities, especially before the kids hit puberty, they're learning how to develop the new skills. And then you can teach them, hey, listen, the way you learn to kick that soccer ball instead of how you've played tennis in the past is also the way you're going to learn this new skill in school. And then as an adult, getting into a new job and a new field and a new industry. So I love hearing you reinforce that. One of the things I've, I've always been fascinated about APEC and just the work you're doing, to be honest, is the culture you've built there. Like it's a culture of people there to do work and get better, whether you're a kid, whether you're a pro athlete or whether you're an adult just trying to get back in shape. What are some things that you've done to intentionally build the culture that you've wanted for not only the team you've assembled, but the clients you attract? Well, there's some very baseline things that coaches have to do from a standard standpoint to work here. Um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people know a lot of different things about, you know, skills and how to coach, whether it be speed, strength, power, or volleyball or baseball, it doesn't matter. But if you, if you take every coach that has success, then what you're first going to find is all those coaches, not all of them, most of them disagree with each other on how it should be done. But what you can't dispute is the fact that they've all had success. Now, you take away, like, the what. Like, what is it that they do that they think is important? Okay, that's fine. Now, if you isolate what are the only common denominators, that's what you got to master first. So human connection, communication skills, priority number one. That's a culture for our coaches. That's a standard. If you can't connect with people – you can't, you cannot optimize them. You can't, you can't bring them to the best version of themselves. Our mantra is be the best you for our people. Now our coach's job is to make them be the best them. So, you know, if you can't connect with them, I don't care what you know about linear speed. I don't care. That's why plugging and playing coaches from outside of our culture doesn't always work because I'll take somebody that knows less, but they can connect more. I'll take them any day. So that, that's the first thing. You know, beyond that, there's a lot of things. Like, I've got, I'm looking at a team standard sheet. We've got our own definition of energy, our own definition of ownership, interaction, our mantra, resourcefulness is huge, grit, signature uniqueness for our coaches' personalities. I want them to be them. Um, seeking understanding before you seek to be understood. That's a big thing for us. Uh, positivity, quality over quantity, value, institute trust, team first. And we've got things that we feel like are pillars that you have to master before you start going into biomechanics with people. And you got to still do it. But if you look at BIM and some of these psychologists that have done studies on dolphins, even the dolphins that do training, the dolphins that spend four hours a day playing with their trainers, like games and having fun, they can spend one hour a day in master routines. If you got trainers that spend five hours a day trying to train their dolphins on routines, they learn them at a slower rate and they're more depressed, and their lifespan is shorter. Wow. So for us, it starts with the relationships, connectivity, building confidence, and, and really building value in human beings, like making sure that they value themselves and value this experience. And then, you know, you got you to gotta know what the hell you're doing. You got <laughs> to be dedicated to your craft. You got to be a professional. If you don't spend an hour a week reading and challenging your beliefs, you don't deserve to have a client. You know, that's just the minimum. Love that. That's after all this stuff. I, I love that. Well, and what I want to hit home on is 
we've heard a little bit of this message echoed by some of the coaches. So we've had Akeem Levinson, our friend that we've talked about uh, off air. We've had him on. We've had coaches in Tyler and, and all over the country talk about the importance of getting to a kid's heart before you get to their head. Absolutely. You just reinforce that exact same thing about connection, communication, and relationship, which I want to hit home because a, a lot of our listeners, some are trainers, some are in that space. A lot of people are business owners or want to be business owners one day. And so the, the importance of connecting with that employee, you find the motivations of why they're there. Some aren't there for more pay. Some are there for responsibility. You know, why, why do they feel like they're a part of the team and culture? And so to hear you echo that, is very, very important for our listeners to have. And also speaks to the amount of care that you guys put into your clients. It's not about how many people can we get through the door. It's about how many people can we impact their life, which stands obviously to the success you've had for 15 years now. Well, at the end of the day, you're developing human beings, not athletes. And, you know, even with adults, man, like they're not going to be Brad Pitt, okay? Or they wouldn't be here. <laughs> so so you know what are we doing then you know you got to get someone to be comfortable with the best version of themselves they've got to they've got to go to that direction and um yeah i just think it's important that it's important it's important that you have a culture that is realistic and is is something that you can actually do you can't make everybody a pro you can't even make everybody a starter but if you can make them walk out of here with more confidence in how they accomplish things how they attain success, how they look at themselves, man, you've done a better job than, than taking somebody who's always, you're already going to win the district track meet and help them win it by a little bit more. Like that, this, you know, I think there's a lot more to it. And I don't think we'd be around if we were just focused on other. I, I love that. I, I love just that. And I, that's one of the things I love about fitness so well is that the right person can walk into a gym that's out of shape, that's struggling with a lot of things mentally that, suddenly has this experience in relationship with a coach that starts to open their eyes to what they could be and how much better they could grow into. And you see it just like you talked about, they walk out of the gym with that confidence. And so they may have started their life in a certain mindset with fixed mindset, little bit of grit, not much real lack of resilience. And then they get into a physical setting and they start developing these things by getting out of their comfort zone, by working with a coach, by seeing how much better they can get. And that immediately translates to that life outside. It, it flips that switch for them. And so it's really fun to see and talk to coaches about that. I'm curious just for our parents listening, you do, we talked about 30 plus percent on youth and working with kids and today's world we've talked about already the, the single sport year round focus, but a lot of kids getting caught up in just not having to deal with certain adversities in life because their parents want to clear the way for them just to make it easier for them than, than they perhaps had it. And a kid doesn't develop that type of grit. What are some things that your team does and believes in doing just to help instill work ethic and just the right mental toughness into these kids when they step into your place in a way that helps them grow versus run for the hills? So this is a weird stance, but I don't believe in mental toughness. Here's what I believe in. I believe in problem solving ability and I believe in resourcefulness. And I believe those are what's lacking. If I embody mental toughness too much and I get all these coaches want me to wear kids out so they can get through it. That's nonsense. Okay. What, you know, being resourceful is a lost art. It's like the printer's broke. 
okay, call, call Bobby. Like, how do you fix the printer? I, mean, I don't know. I didn't graduate from printer university. Like I'm going to just look it up on the internet, how to fix a HP printer. Like, why don't you look it up and fix this problem? Okay. That that's, that's mental toughness to me because it's just, it starts with people not valuing their time over yours. And that's what these kids have to learn. So I just, I look at mental toughness differently than most people. It's, it's more about, do they have these mental skills? Like, can they be resourceful? And then from a standpoint of problem solving, can they look at something, take a step back, look at it globally and put together a plan? Okay. If I do this, this, and this, then objectively I will have this. And I know this is super weird response to your question, but I actually, I want to tell you, I agree with your angle on mental toughness. I don't believe it's how much pain you can endure discomfort. Mental toughness, I think that's more grit, just the ability to keep enduring and resilience. I think mental toughness is the ability to, when things don't go the way you plan for them to, how do you continue to keep going? How are you resourceful to solve that problem? 100%, and that's grit. So grit, grit to me is incomplete unless you look at the concept of grit as a plan has got to be part of it. So meaning, okay, I blew out my knee for the second time and I thought I did a really good job getting stronger. Okay, what am I going to do? Is, is the plan that I had last time correct? What can I do to make it better? Okay, maybe I didn't pay enough attention to nutrition or sleep and I need to safe proof that. Maybe I need to do this a little bit better. Maybe this part that I did was right and I don't need to turn my back on that. You know, the, the number one determining factor for success in any profession, in anything in the world is grit. That's the only, that's the only thing that's been consistent. And that's been proven by research at Stanford. Yep. You know, the, now this group also proved that uh, if you wear Crocs more than two times a week, you're most likely clinically depressed, but <laughs> I think they've got some merit to this one. You know, grit, if you look at the Iditarod and some of these things where breeding dogs that are practice dogs, you know, look, grit is, it's, it's the thing that matters the most. That's not everything, but it matters the most. So, but I don't think it's the same as mental toughness. I think it's a better avenue than same mental toughness because mental toughness ends up being suicides or shuttles or, you know, stuff that's not mental toughness. It's your, your work, aerobic endurance guys. Hey coaches, just everybody out there. Aerobic endurance is not mental toughness. It's aerobic endurance. Okay. Um, you know, Lance Armstrong isn't mentally tough. He's genetically gifted. Okay. So let's, let's, let's move on. Read a book. I love it. I love it, man. So what do you think, uh, just out of curiosity, what is something that's going on in the youth sports space that you're looking and kind of on a mission to help improve in the athletes that walk in the door? What's a challenge that you think youth are facing today that you want to help correct or fix in the ones that you're able to impact? That's a great, great question. I think people don't have enough sense of urgency on the windows of development that these kids have early on before they hit puberty. What I mean by that is, is now this is a really blanket way to look at this, but I could go super nerd here and I think everyone would turn this off, but what, what, what I'll do if they haven't already. So let's say that you have 70% of an opportunity to change the trajectory of your athletic ability before the age of 10. Okay. Every year that window gets a little smaller. Now you could get more specific and say flexibility could be changed by 60% before this date. 
and then speed before this date. Now, after you hit puberty and you've got peak height velocity, which is basically hard structures growing, and you got peak weight velocity, which is basically hormones and responses to soft tissue. After that happens, your percentages drop down to 15%, 20% max, sometimes 5% in some of those athletic attributes, which don't get me wrong, is definitely worth it to attack. But you go back and look at what you could have done. The problem is, is people got this reverse mindset. Well, when they're young, I'll just let them play. And then when they're older, we'll train. But really, man, it should be the opposite. It should be completely the opposite. Look at Norway and some of these places that are just doing a great job with their population. They build diverse athleticism, and you could call it practice, practice, practice. They don't play a lot of games. Yeah. The, games the games are few and far in between, but they, they drill, 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 practice, 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 train, train, train. And they do it, and they do it, and they do it. And guess what? They have better ankle mobility, flexibility, hip mobility, flexibility. Their spines can do all kinds of different things. Injury risks are down. And the percentage of the population that's successful is much higher than here. That article is fascinating uh, on how they structure it. And and what I love most about that is it doesn't matter if your kid, when they get older in middle school, high school, they want to go do band. They want to go do something completely non-sports related the basics of getting them moving and active and, and setting the routine early on is so incredibly important for the lifestyle they're going to have throughout their life, not just to play sports. Right. A hundred percent. And I think people don't know the long-term ramifications on specializing early. You're basically setting up arthritic bombs to go off uh, because you're, you're creating deformation and how these structures are going to be hardwired once you hit puberty and it may seem cute and good for your right forearm to be a quarter inch longer, but your AC joint's not going to like that. And, you know, a lot of UCL injuries, Tommy John, stuff like that, people are like, what did they do, man? What have they been doing this offseason? Hey, bro, it's not this offseason. It's the 13 years leading up to puberty that created a time bomb that just went off, you know. Yeah. It's not your workout program or your arm slot, okay? It's you. <laughs> it's your choices. It's years of it, and that's – it's funny, that was echoed by a friend of mine that's a retired baseball agent now. And he's had a ton of clients and we talked about what he sees now in high school and, and uh, middle school. And he's like, you know, why are kids throwing 100 pitches in certain games the first week of the season? And he said, you just, you see this stuff that's crazy that five to 10 years from now, it's going to kill the kid. Um, on the flip side of that, I'm curious your thoughts. I had a conversation with Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Network about he thinks over the next five to six years, we're going to see more big star recruits turn out to be bust because they've become so in love with the attention and not the process. They don't love the game. They don't love the sport. They just love the attention. It merits them. What are some things that you've seen in athletes that have made them, I guess, love the process or things that you've, you've tried to do to implement to get people to love the process versus the outcome? So I think there's a phenomenon right now that starts with someone that self-anointed as the greatest ever and has kind of led this mindset with the generation of people to self-proclaim, be entitled, try to be in charge of things you shouldn't. I'm not going to mention this person, but I already know who you're talking about. (laughs) every Every kid is emulating this person and, I wish they'd take responsibility for this, but they won't. But this has created this 
extrinsic, extrin, extrinsic mindset to where it's an outward focus. What, what I think is makes success for people is when they focus intrinsically on measuring themselves versus themselves consistently, showing gratitude publicly, privately giving yourself credit and being focused on what you can do. And then also being a good teammate, which is two separate things. Now the problem is, is when you look at what's been shown as an example, it's kind of blown up with that person and everywhere else that's doing that. In fact, this year in the NFL draft was the first time that I saw people get really devalued, like truly devalued. I'm talking about 40 plus inch vertical, four, three guys, dozens of them didn't get drafted because of the way their God complex that they put out there. You had a quarterback drop from what should have been first overall to 17 because of his God complex. And Nobody really wants to deal with that. They've seen the long-term effects on that for mental health with these individuals and what it does to their teammates. And people just, honestly, people just want to get away from those people. So I think having an intrinsic mindset, focusing on your rhythm, focusing on you, you know, look at this last, um, you know, the horse race, the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Yeah, it's super controversial. The, uh, the, the horse that won really got second. Like he got second in my mind forever. I don't care what anybody says. But the reality is he was 65 to one shot, so he shouldn't even have been second. He should have been about 12th, you know, 14th. But that was one of the only horses that wore blinders. And one of the things that speaks to that is in, in a muddy race, it's dangerous to wear blinders because things can get thrown off and then your peripheral, everything's blocked. Well, still having that on is an advantage because then your horse doesn't get caught up in the visual rhythm of the other horses. And you've probably seen me talk about this, post about this, but if athletes can focus internally on their rhythm and what they are doing and how they are doing it, then they're going to run a better race regardless of what the other horses do. And I think the problem is all oh, everybody's got their binders off and they're really steadily looking and that's going to affect the way you perform. So I'm, I'm totally against all that. I think social media can be great, but it can also be the biggest problem. I, I love the fact that you, you shared that example. I, I laughed. Because I open my keynote, one of my keynotes when I go talking companies is about a track star. And if you're trying to run a 100-meter sprint and you're just constantly looking left, right, and behind you, your body naturally slows down. You cannot run at your peak speed if you're worrying what everyone else is doing. And it also applies to our life, which you just reiterated beautifully with the derby and everywhere else. We have to focus on our lane. Bobby, this has been a, a just fun conversation. I could honestly keep it going forever talking sports and mindset and everything else. But for anyone listening that wants to check out you, check out APEC, learn if their facility is near them, where can people find out more about you and some of the work you've got going on? Well, I appreciate that. First of all, on Instagram, uh, for me, it's at Bob. If you could include that in show notes, my, yep. it's S-T-R-O-U-P-E-B-O-B. And then we our two locations have their own. So East Texas is at Team APEC with a C. And then DFW is at APEC 817. Awesome. And I will be linking to both of those in the show notes. Uh, where is that 817 location there in Fort Worth? We're west, man. So we're right when eight, we're 820, 30, and 20 cross. Um, over there uh, in the Game On facility, it's got, we've got our own little area, but inside there with eight different basketball courts, there's medical facilities, there's, there's, uh, nutrition. It's, it's an incredible spot. Um, but it's, it's West. It's in between, it would be in between TCU and Alito. That's okay. The, yep. 
That's my uh, my old stomping grounds of TCU. So I, I love that area. Bobby, man, thanks so much for coming on the show this week. This has been great. Man, I appreciate it. Uh, it's good chopping it up with you, man. I learned a lot from you, and I continue to learn a lot. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You're helping a lot of people.